Hey guys, welcome back to the What's Next podcast. Coming to you from beautiful Monterey, California, right here on the beach. Excited to have this next guest in here. Um, we've got a journalist in the house. How about that? Something new. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Matt Vasilagamros. That sounds Greek. Yeah, it is Greek. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, my dad's a, an immigrant. came uh, Came to this country in the '60s. Really? Yeah, and uh, you know, fled the uh, the military dictator there. And uh, yeah, they wanted to find a better life and found it in America. Wow, how about that? Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. Yeah, like one generation away. It's usually here three or four, or, you know. But this is like dad came over. Exactly. So how you about know, that? I, yeah, I grew up in a you know kind of a suburban household in in the Chicago area, but it always had flares of of Greek influence, sure. right? You know, so Thanksgiving had the turkey, but it also had the uh, the the Greek spinach pie, the spanakopita, and, right, and all right. these other things. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, it was. You know, it was a unique way of growing up, sure. and I really, I really do love that. So I think Chicago's got a large Greek population, yeah. doesn't it? Big Greek town, yeah, yeah, out okay. there, lots of Greek people, and so always around those folks. I like being around an, uh, an immigrant, immigrant community. You sure, know, it right. makes it a little more interesting. So, um, but yeah, my dad always wanted us to to be as American as possible. You know, I had a lot of cousins who would go to Greece every summer, but you know, he was like, "No, we're going to do road trips." And we're really? gonna, yeah, we're going to try to see this country. As see much the as country. Possible. Yeah. Sure. And so that was always really, um, I love that. I think he always, he always appreciated that yeah. influence. And so I had my, my little American dream, you know, right, uh, right. back home. Yeah. It's a Midwest upbringing, you know, doesn't Absolutely. get much better than that. No, it really doesn't. And so, yeah. you know, it's something I really appreciate and something a lot of people really, um, I think don't, don't have or take for granted. Sure. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I I loved I loved that aspect of my life. I loved uh, you know my grandparents telling stories of the of the old country, and um, you know my dad, uh, you know is is kind of a personal hero hero of mine. You know he he made it, and that's that's, awesome. that's that's the whole thing. You know he worked his worked his butt off to to provide a good family for or a good life for his sure. family and. I got to pursue my dreams and, you know, be a, a journalist. I really didn't have to work a day of my life. That's that. so cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I had a gal in here yesterday that almost had the same story, but she came from Mexico. And I was telling her about the podcast I had a week before that about his grandparents came from Italy. Mm-hmm. And he makes wine and he named the wine A Better Life. Yeah. Because that's what his grandparents were trying to bring to their family. You know, it's just like just the story you heard over and over again coming to America from all points of the world. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and my grandparents have that typical, you know, um, immigrant story. They didn't speak much English at all. My grandfather uh, cleaned dishes at a like restaurant. $14 in my pocket when yeah, I got seriously, here. Seriously. Right? It was very much like that. You know, they came on a boat. Uh, awesome. My grandmother sewed in a factory, and really, and my uh, my dad worked his way through college. He, it took him five years to get his degree because he was working at a uh, grocery store, sure, working full time. And so, uh, really hard worker. Yeah, um, you know, he tried to instill that in me. And so, yeah, I, I really do appreciate that story. And um, unfortunately, it didn't teach me uh, much Greek. I think that's a a typical story among uh, some immigrants as sure. well. They kind of right. want, you know the most American thing as possible. And so, um, unfortunately when I do talk to other, other Greek people, 
they speak Greek to me and I don't have an answer for them. <laughs> right. I got the name. That's all I exactly, need. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I always think I'm going to be like the prodigal son returning and they're sure. like, oh, you don't speak any Greek. So. Yeah, nah. <laughs> you, you probably understand more than you can speak it back to them. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I know the culture as well. Oh, and, yeah. That's uh, you huge. Know, the weddings and, uh, you know, for a little bit, I, I, I was even part of a Greek dancing troupe no of sorts. Yeah. I wanted to be connected sure, to it. Right. You know, and uh, luckily, luckily for me, I have some family back there. And so I keep in touch with, yeah, right, with some right. cousins. And, and uh, it's a beautiful country. Oh yeah, for sure. Have you ever been back to Greece? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, I, yeah, I've been a couple times oh, no uh, in, in my adulthood. Um, one time I went as a, as a reporter actually, and I uh, got oh, to cool. I got to like you know uh, you know bump elbows or rub elbows with uh, um, some some Greek elites and politicians and the sort. Um, wow. But also got to go to the village where my dad was born. Oh, how cool! And see you know see see his. Um, the, the the house that you know he grew up in and everything and so that was really special and he got to tell me some stories you know he said you know from this kitchen I remember distinctly um, his mother my grandmother uh, listening to the radio and hearing JFK was assassinated and and you know her visceral reaction to that you know so even even those stories you know are are really special to to me it's that kind of uh, influence that that our country had, and you know, kind of dictated where they wanted to go after that. Right. Yeah. And here you were standing at at that house. I was standing at that house, right. which was really it was oh really God. special, really emotional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. How and cool. you know, it was great to connect with my family, and we had you know that typical big meal out on a porch. You know, the mountain vista, uh, having you know Greek salad and wine, and and just reconnecting with the uh, family out there. Right. So it's, it's special to be able to have that connection with uh, folks. So your dad came over, so there must still be quite a bit of family over there. Quite a bit of yeah, family, yeah. Yeah, once you got there, it was a family reunion. Mm-hmm. How yeah, cool. so yeah, very, very, very closely uh, related to all those folks. And, um, you know, with Facebook and, you know, everything, Zoom, we're able to connect and, and keep in touch with those people. And so I've, I've been able to host a couple of cousins uh, coming to America. Really? Yeah, yeah. I brought I brought my cousin Apostoli's uh, to New York City. And I was, you know, I showed him uh, Times Square and, uh, you know, all the things. We went to the top of the Empire State Building and all of that. But the thing that he, he talked about the most was our trip to Shake Shack. So having a good cheeseburger was his favorite really? part of the trip. That's funny. <laughs> so I think I you know wasted some time doing some of the touristy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's. A, can you imagine seeing New York? Oh yeah. Coming from, you know, I, I had a I had a friend that uh, his dad owned New York Carpet World, mm. and it was all over you know Grand Rapids and Michigan and all over the place. And coming to find out, there wasn't any in New York. I was mm-hmm. like, why why would you name it New York Carpet World if it what if there's any shops there. So, so when he immigrated and he came, the first thing he saw of America was New York and he had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. He thought it was the greatest thing. So when he started a company, it was like, what's the greatest thing? Yeah. You know, I was there like, wow, that's kind of cool. Looking yeah. at it from an immigrant's kind of point, you know, point of view. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think he had a blast. And Absolutely. so, yeah, it was, uh, it was special to show him around and, uh, you know, he's, he's done the same for me when we went to Athens, you know, oh, he showed, really? yeah, he showed me around, you know, took me to all this. Oh, his joints. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. And it's, it's great to, you know, I have, I have the last name and I've always, I self-identified as a Greek American, but it was cool to actually go to Greece and, you know, see the Acropolis and right. see all of that. So that yeah. was really, that was really important to me. How cool. Yeah. All right. That's neat. I keep saying how cool, but that I just it can't is. imagine going there. Yeah, it is, right? it, it's really special, and you know, it, it's you know, there's so much uh, influence in our day in our daily life. You know, democracy and 
uh, architecture and you know everything else in yeah. between. It's just uh, it's a, it's a special background. I'm I'm proud of it. There was a funny line in uh, my big fat Greek wedding where he's like, "My people were talking philosophy when your people were still hanging from trees." And, and that's like, true. That's so funny. Right? And my mom's not Greek, so my dad throws that in her, in her face all you know in her face all the time. And so there's a lot of lines in that that are that are too true. And uh, oh, especially right. you know I, I've had stints of being a vegetarian, and when my grandparents were alive, they did not think they did not appreciate it, you right. know, because you have to eat meat. Yeah, is that part of it, right? Oh, yeah, well, you know. You Lamb know, or... Exactly, and so uh, it was um, really some funny interactions yeah, with, with them. Right. Yeah, What kind of journalism were you doing over there? Um, you know, Greece has gone through a bit of a financial crisis. Okay. And so um, the there's a, an organization uh, called the... the American Hellenic uh, Business Association or some sort, and they were trying to get journalists to come over there and say, you know, Greece is on the right path um, financially. Uh, so, you know, I was there with a bunch of journalists who, and we did tours uh, to factories, to business establishments. We sat with the prime minister and uh, we we just tried to understand a little bit more about the Greek economy and see if they're recovering. And it's a slow road to recovery, but it was great to write some articles and meet business leaders and yeah. average average Greeks. And, um, you know, it was around the same time that we had our financial crisis. And so I think there's a lot of hurt. And uh, but it was it was interesting to, to go to a different country and see uh, how yeah. they were dealing with it as well. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And really see it from the top. Absolutely. And you got to meet. Oh, wow. Got to go, go around and meet the uh, uh, owners of the different factories and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Wow. And everything from, you know, again, from the top as, you know, the owners of the factories and the politicians. But also we went to uh, homeless shelters and really? uh, and got to you know talk to folks who are having a hard time. So it was good to kind of run the gamut and see. Uh, how how a financial crisis could impact a lot of people, and um, that was that was a great part of my my career. I've been a political journalist mostly. Uh, lived in D.C. for ten years. Mm. Uh, covered the White House and Congress and foreign affairs, and uh, but it was special to go abroad. You yeah, know, get out of get out of the bubble that is D.C. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know meet meet folks um, in different countries and see what their lives are like. I love telling stories like that. Right, right. So you went you went off to college from Chicago, yeah. or did you go to college right in Chicago? Or? No, I went to college in Iowa. Iowa, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I I went to college at Drake University. It's in Des Moines. Uh, for a very nerdy reason, I wanted to experience the Iowa caucuses. You know, the first ah. the first presidential <laughs> contest. And uh, everybody's yeah. got their thing. Every, man. Yeah, and that was my thing, and I was really uh, I was really into it. I re- I wanted to uh, see democracy firsthand and 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 a caucus for folks who aren't familiar it's it's not like you're putting your your, a ballot in in the ballot box you're standing in a room and they and they and they divide the room into into sections they say okay you support hillary clinton you go in this corner you're obama's this corner edwards this corner and they do a hand count and that's how they determine who their nominee is and i think that's unique and not a lot of people experience that and so I uh, I wanted to experience that firsthand, and I interned for ABC News and George Stephanopoulos, another Greek. And uh, oh, he saw your name. He's like, it, yeah, yes, you in exactly. <laughs> and uh, I had a great time, and and it was good to go to school in a small state like Iowa. Yeah, um, it really felt. You know, I don't have to tell you, it's great to be in the Midwest and, right. and experience that. Um, Do they and, have a fantastic like journal journalist program? Or? Yeah, they had a great journalism program okay. and a really good politics program. And so I did I did both of those. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I edited the student student newspaper. Uh, met a lot of 
great people. And, you know, because Iowa is, is so kind of foundational in politics, I was able to, to meet a lot of great, a lot of great folks. And I, I always appreciated going to school, not in, in DC or in New York, not in a big town so that I could, you know, better understand, you know, how average folks live and escape all the influence. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. 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 And there's so much of that. And so I, um, I know it sounds corny, but I always do hold the Midwest with me all the time. And, and I, I really appreciate the upbringing there. Right. You know, I've had, I've had people here tell me, God, I just love people from Michigan. It's like mm-hmm. they can take a paper clip and make anything out of it. You know, they're yeah. just so, you know, the same thing, Chicago, it's like that Midwestern mentality where you have to make it work. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny, I, you know, I lived in, like I said, I lived in DC for 10 years, but it, you know, in retrospect, all of my friends were from the Midwest. And, uh, you know, two of my best friends are Michiganders. And, uh, so it's just, uh, it just kind of tells you, you gravitate toward these, to the, toward these people who kind of, sure. you know, they share your values and, and they really opened up to you. And we had the shared trauma of, uh, our winters that we, that we all share that's with Midwesterners, you know? Yeah. So values, yeah. right. Exactly. That's, that's the truth. But yeah. you, you know, you, you, you have to look out for your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's, when there's a blizzard coming, you want to check the neighbors to see if the old lady down the street has her prescriptions, get on your snowmobile and run to the grocery store for her or something. There's just not that community out here because it doesn't need to be. Yeah, that's know? true. So, yeah. And I did the shoveling of the neighbors. Shoveled and, the snow. Yeah. I mean, that was just how we grew up and, you know, you knew your neighbors and everything. And it was always kind of saying hi to people while you're walking down the street. Um, you know, just that generosity. Yeah. And I agree. And I, I wish there was a little bit more of that out here. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me, um, once you, now you lost me a little bit. Once, once you got out of college, you did some interns for what? For ABC or? Yeah. So I, I did a lot of Walk interns. Walk me through that. Yeah. So I graduated, um, college and I, and I just knew I wanted to, to move to DC. You know, when I was younger, uh, eighth grade or something like that. I saw all the president's men, you know, the, the movie about Watergate. And I, that was just something I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to be that journalist. I wanted to, uh, challenge p- politicians, powers that be, I wanted to tell stories. Um, and so I, I, I really, I worked, I worked hard and, uh, took minimum wage, you know, seven twenty-five an hour, uh, internships in DC just so I can get my foot in the door. And I worked for uh, a publication called National Journal and I worked for a magazine called The Atlantic. And, uh, you know, I, I, I basically, I hustled, you know, and those are political magazines, those are political magazines. Okay. And, um, in each of those, I got to, you know, go run through the halls of Congress and chase politicians and, what? um, you know, there's a fun story of, I, uh, I, I, it was my first day covering Capitol Hill and I saw John McCain and I, I ran up to him, uh, I wanted to get a quote for something and, (laughs) and, um, uh, hope I can, I can cuss a very minor, a minor, a minor swear. But I I said, Oh, Senator, Senator. And and he turned around he says, what do you want? You little shit. Really? Yeah. And I was like, uh, and I not voting for you. Yeah. yeah, I was like, uh, and I, (laughs) And I stumbled and another journalist asked a question and that was my kind of, uh, you know, right. throw, throw yourself in the deep end kind of situation. Right. So yeah, he was, he was kind of a, a hard head, and, sure. but that was a, that was a, that was a cool experience. And so, yeah, I, I got to do that and, um, uh, just enough to yeah. throw you off exactly. is what he was doing. He was just dinking with you. He you really know? was. Next time 
you're not going to fall for that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a little bit of a learning curve. He maybe did that on purpose. I think he did. I think he saw I was nervous and, and, right. I, and, and he really, and he really got me. And, and I really, I appreciate that story. <laughs> right. Yeah. So did it a made lot, you yeah. a better man. It did. It did. You know, he kind of threw me off a little bit, totally. but it was, uh, it was, it was a cool story. And, uh, you know, he was nice to me, you know, sure. after that or, or whatever. He? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, little shit. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, and I'm six, three, so it's not, <laughs> not little. Yeah, exactly. Shit. But, uh, you know, my attitude was maybe so, right, right. yeah. So he, you know, that was, that was a great experience. And so I did a lot of that, you know, Capitol Hill, uh, the white house, uh, reporting and, and the sort. And, you know, I did that for a while and, uh, eventually I, I wanted to, uh, you know, interview real people, um, you know, politicians, those, those sorts of stories can be really high profile. And, um, you know, I got to go on cable news and, and, and PR and all, and all those other things, but I, I really wanted to tell other stories and I got to sign on to this project where we wanted to show what the next steps were in, in the American economy, you know, uh, uh, about, you know, new immigrants and the sort. And so I got to start traveling the country and interviewing average people and seeing that their lives were impacted by by the economy and i wrote some of the most impactful journalism that way you know i I really did love to meet people of different political parties or different races and um that felt most fulfilling and i think that's why i wanted to be a journalist i wanted to tell stories that's really neat yeah yeah you get more fulfillment out of the working people absolutely i really did they got a better story to tell yeah, and They're it's not, not going to bullshit you as much. No, no canned answers either. <laughs> Can't right, exactly yeah. right. And you know, and and um, a lot of them reminded me of my uh, my grandparents or my dad. You sure. Know? Uh, or you know, my mom's family. There, she came from working class roots in Southern Illinois. You know, old coal mining family. Mm. So I mean, all all these folks that I met, um, I saw myself in them in, in some ways, and I know I come from a lot of you know privilege and um, and education, but that was. That was really special to to tell their stories, and because mm-hmm. I feel like some folks, uh, just you know, their stories are over overtold, or they have too much influence. And you know, right. we can talk about the uh, political elite or the you know, the economic elite, but I think the other stories are more are more interesting and more special. Mm. And so I really, I really did, I really did enjoy doing that for quite a while. Yeah, that's a neat thing. Yeah, you know, my my grandma came out of the out of the out of the hills. She didn't even, uh, where was she from? Missouri, I believe it was. And mm-hmm. she said she didn't even have shoes until she was like 14. And she worked her way up to being one of the top secretaries at Eagle Lion Studios in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a huge gap there that I wasn't old enough to, to know, to ask the questions that how did you get from here to there? Yeah. You know, there's so many amazing stories out there that if you don't ask, they'll be lost. Yeah, you know, I totally agree with you. That's that's so neat that you got got a chance to get out there and talk to the, you know, the, the I don't want to say the normal people, but yeah, 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 yeah blue the, collar, I mean, yeah, your average Joe or Joe yeah, yeah. you know, and sure. and I think that's I think that's an important story to tell, and um, you know, you're talking about your your grandma, and you know, I thought I think about my grandpa and grand, you know, they were all working class people as well, and. Um, you know, uh, survived the, the depression. And I, I grew up hearing my grandpa's stories about, about the depression. He was a, he was a big storyteller and, and, uh, a I Greek storyteller. I can't uh, imagine. Exactly. <laughs> and I was always, I, you know, I was, uh, gravitated toward that. Right. And, uh, you know, there's lots of, lots of really interesting stories to tell. And I think that's why that aspect of my job was interesting. Cause there's hundreds of journalists who cover the white house 
or Congress, but they kind of, a lot of them tell the same story and not a lot of people are out there on the ground talking to, to average people. And mm -hmm. so, um, I wanted to, you know, I went to from everywhere from Atlanta to Nashville to Seattle, just, uh, interviewing people about, uh, their new startup or their new, um, their, their small business that just got a loan, uh, or, you know, a, a new, um, community art center, you know, just great stories that up, uplift. Mm. And I think there's a lot of negativity, uh, today. Um, you know, for good reason, there's a lot of, you know, interesting, heavy issues going on, but I think, uh, telling stories about solutions or telling stories about people who really found a way to make it. I think that's special mm -hmm. and we should tell more of those stories. Yeah. I had a guy in here not too long ago. Um, once you start, he was, he was, uh, in charge of meals on wheels mm -hmm. and I thought, what a, what a great person to have on the podcast. Well, as I got to talk to him, he, he, before he retired, he owned a racing car company and mm -hmm. he did all the building of race cars. And, and before that he was, uh, you know, a pilot. It's like, I wouldn't have known any of these things, you know? Yeah. It's, it's I'd love to just sit down and talk to somebody and, you know, where you been? How you doing, man? How'd yeah. you do through, you know? I think that's great. I love, I love that your podcast does that. And, you know, I think today, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound uh, too much like a, like a curmudgeon, like <laughs> yeah. I'm 33. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I think we spent a lot of time on social media and I think we, you know, yell at, yell at each other and we're not really in each other's lives. And I think being able to, uh, actually spend an afternoon with someone over, you know, coffee or uh, a meal or mm -hmm. just talking with someone, I think that's important. And I think we lose a little bit of that humanity when yeah. we're all online. And I think that's an important aspect to, 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 to meet people all over the country and, you know, right. all over the right. globe. And so I have a great job. I, I don't, I love it. You know, I call up strangers and I ask them for help and they, they agree. Do or they don't. Yep. Right. Exactly. How cool is that? Oh man. So, uh, well, one thing we talked about, you did some crazy, uh, uh, like a hike down the Pacific. T tell me about this. What's it called? A Pacific trail? Or yeah, it's something, the Pacific or? Crest trail. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was at, I was doing, um, you know, I was, I had my career in, in DC. Um, and, but I, I just covered the, the 2016 election and it was kind of a bruiser as you remember. And sure. I was pretty, I was a little burnt out, you yeah. know, that, that life of, you know, early hours and writing late nights, late light nights and, you know, writing a bit and it, it can be, be quite overwhelming. And, and, um, I was talking to a coworker of mine and, uh, he and I were always big hikers. We, you know, like I said, we lived in DC and so that's really close to the App Appalachian trail, the trail that goes from Georgia to Maine. And, um, you know, we had gone to Canada to get together to the Rockies and, and hike there. And so we were big avid outdoorsmen. And, um, one day he asked me if I wanted to do the Pacific crush trail, which goes from the Mexican border in California all the way up through Oregon and then Washington and ends in British Columbia. I said, why not? Um, I was scared. I had to quit a job. Uh, I quit a magazine that I'd always wanted to write for, um, but I felt like, you know, uh, I was in my late 20s and I felt like, when, if not now, when? 
And uh, we... This we, is not like a bike ride. This is actually hoofing it, man. It is. It's five That's months. That's months and months. Five months. Yeah, it's 2,650 2, miles long. Two thousand. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's a long car ride. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. So we spent a year planning it. And then, you know, uh, in April of 2017, we flew to San Diego. Um, we were supported by what they're called uh, trail angels, just volunteers who help people out. So some people in San Diego let us sleep in their backyard. So like if you live along that trail, mm -hmm. you can sign up to be a trail angel. Yeah, or you don't even have like to sign up. You just have to volunteer. And sometimes it would be that we would go into and go into town, hitchhike into town, and someone would be in the grocery store. And obviously we had long beards and had, you know we're all <laughs> right, dirty, and so right. we looked like hikers. And they would just say, "Hey, do you guys need a you know place to stay tonight? You need your wash your wash your clothes." You want a meal? And we would always say yes and thank you. Right. And hundreds of people. Really? Helped us. No, I no questions asked. I wouldn't even imagine that. I would think, yeah. yeah, just people aren't, you know, but I guess if you're along that trail, that's just what happens. I was always worried about, you know, uh, are people actually going to pick yeah, us up? Are, right. Are, you know, we, we put our thumbs out and uh, I was I was worried that we weren't going to get picked up, but I don't think we ever waited longer than 10 minutes. No kidding. Yeah. And wow. we always we always got picked up. And uh yeah, so we we basically what you do is you hike for 7 to between 7 days and 10 days with all the food on your back, you know, fill up your water at springs and streams or rivers. And uh you know, when when you got through your section, then you'd put your thumb out, go into town, fill up again and then go back out. And so we did that for 5 months and wow. You know, we did everything from the Mojave Desert uh, to, yes. the, to the high Sierra mountains, wow. snow-packed mountains. Oh my God, I didn't even think about the desert. Yeah. I was thinking about you walking along the ridge of the, the mountains up there, but I, I didn't think about yeah, walking the, through the desert. The desert Woo! was brutal. Yeah, we had, to, we had to carry all of our water on, yeah. our, on our backs. That was really tough. And, um, you know, sometimes we'd run out of water and we'd have to find some sort of cow pond and, and filter the water there. And it was terrible but Ugh. you know you gotta you gotta survive out there and grow hair on your chest anyway exactly right. make a man out exactly of you. Woo, i know so yeah that was that was great and so then you know through this through the sierras in northern california the lava plains of oregon and then the the beautiful green peaks of uh of washington state and um yeah really it, it was it was a challenge to be sure we were emaciated i lost 60 pounds something oh, like wow. that you know just you didn't have 60 to lose i huh? didn't know and i was i was you could see my rib bones and you could see my hip bones i was so <laughs> sticking out i looked like i had survived a war you yeah. know and uh but there's more colors of green up there than you can even imagine to yeah. try to explain to somebody isn't there it's so beautiful up there and i i just I had a great time just being outside mm. and, you know, we didn't sleep in our tents all the time. The weather was, was yeah, good. Yeah, where'd you sleep? We, we, sometimes we, we would cowboy camp. We just sleep under the stars. Really? Yeah. No and we, kidding. And we would just maybe find a, a little clear patch and blow, you know, have our, our sleeping bag and just sleep under the stars. And we only had a couple close calls with bears. Uh, bears and coyotes exactly, and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A couple, you know, mice crawled over us Hello. at some point. A little <laughs> a little a little intense. Uh, but I love that aspect. I love the wilderness That's part. That's part of it. But I also, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the trail angels, the people who helped us out. Um, you know, I think about the guy who we got caught in a rainstorm and he pulled over to the side of the highway and he asked us if we were okay and we just said we were cold. And he said, Stay here, I'll be right back. 
And he came back 10 minutes later with In-N-Out burgers for us. And I just like, I, I actually cried. Like what? Right. Yeah, it was it was incredible. You know, an That's In-N-Out burger killer. when you're just, you know, completely right. burnt out. You know, we also, you know, um, I also met people who have political parties that I, you know, I'm, I'm not my politics, but they were extremely nice to me. And, uh, you know, it's, again, like I said earlier, in a time of great, you know, divide. Especially you, just coming out of that. Oh, my gosh. You were, like, raw. Yeah, I was. And I was just, and I met, I met a lot of people who From were just, the other side. Just nice to me. Yeah. And they're human For beings. For no, no other reason than you might be cold. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, cool. and yeah, and so that kind of taught me a lesson too. Like, yeah. you know, that that's an important lesson to I think learn. You learned a whole bunch of lessons. Yeah. At 29 or however you were yeah. traveling across the United States. Yeah. I think everyone should have their I big think so adventure. Too. Yeah. And uh, and I think it was good for me to open my eyes a little bit and and meet people who you know, just we have different lives. You know, yeah. lives. I'm I was just this DC kid, you know, pretty, you know, cocky dc kid and and they you know were from these you know rural areas and um it was humbling i really i really like that yeah right how cool is that oh man i love that so when where did you end up you went all the way up to british columbia you said yeah we went to british columbia um that was must have been getting cold up there actually we were one day away from a blizzard um yeah that's that's why you kind of have to hustle up uh because we finished in september there's a timeline you got to get yeah i see right yeah we should have started north and headed south yeah a lot of a lot of people do that too (laughs) that's probably yeah yeah rush against the winter yeah it's tough because you don't want to wait too long on in in, you don't want to start late in in southern california because then it'll get too hot in the desert too hot sure but then you you don't want to get to the sierras too quickly because there's too much snow Mm. unfortunately for us it was it was a record snow year. Obviously, we don't have that right now in California. We're going through a drought, but mm-hmm. uh, we had to not only go through all that snow, but also we had to cross raging rivers that were, uh, you know, flooded with ice melt. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said earlier, I'm a tall guy, and sometimes we'd have to wade the rivers at my chest. No kidding. And that's you know that's pretty scary it's stuff. Dangerous crap. It really is. Yeah, and and we had ice axes with us to try to you know, get, get through some of the mountain passes, you know, it was, it was, it was intense, especially as a, as a flatlander from Illinois, you know, that's right. not something that I'm used to that you're used to in no. Michigan, unless no. you're up in the porcupine mountains. Yeah, in the yeah, UP. No. And, um, but so that's, you know, that was, that was definitely super challenging. So yeah, by the time that we got to Canada, it was getting cold and, uh, yeah, we crossed right in time. And, uh, the next day as we were on the Greyhound to, uh, Vancouver, so that we could fly fly back to the states, um, it was snowing. Really, and so it, and just imagine being out, you know, in our small gear, you know, our, our a lightweight gear in the snow. That would have been devastating. And yeah, you must have been like ten feet tall that day, man. Yeah, it really felt. You must good. have been so stoked. Yeah, that, you know what was behind you, what you'd accomplished. All the things, yeah, now I'm heading home. It's like, yeah, kind of a, a hollow ending, but it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. You must have just been on top of the world. It really felt like that. And uh, in many ways, we were. We were at high were, elevation. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it felt like a culmination of a lot of a lot of hard work. And, you know, we were, we were told at the beginning of the hike, don't, don't look at it as if you're hiking to Canada because then it gets too overwhelming. Sure. It's five months away. Mm-hmm. So they would always say, you're hiking to the next town. Sure. Well... So I, I had that mentality, and then so by the time that we were in northern Washington State in the Cascades, and uh, uh, at the, by the time I got there, I really did have to take a step back and say like, "Oh my God, we just 
We walk through the entire state of California. We walk through the entire state of Oregon. Uh, we're about to finish Washington. And um, I saw some statistic. I don't know how true it is, but they said that uh, fewer people have finished the, the Pacific Crest Trail than have climbed Everest. Really? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed kind of believable just considering the, mar- right. the market to, to, cli- to climb Everest. And I remember all the people that I started with and only a handful had finished. I think the finish rate's about 10%. Wow. So it's just, you know, uh, I think that's a, a special, I mean, not, it's not a notch in my belt. It's not like I'm, you know, oh, it's, it's not like a bragging thing. About? Yeah, but it's still like oh, a, it's huge. yeah, it's something that I, I really do try yeah. Yeah. You gain, you know, at least 10 years in your mind. Yeah. You know, gain 10, 10 years in my mind. My, I told you, uh, my eyesight got a little bit better. Um, and just because of what? I, I wasn't staring at a screen. Yeah. No, I wasn't staring star- at screens. I wasn't staring right. at a screen. Um, you know, I, I was, it also changed my mentality around food. And I, you know, obviously I know you care deeply about, you know, physical health. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of I grew up with that very American attitude of like, okay, well, calories are to be counted. And food is almost kind of, uh, you know, there, there was almost a stigma behind it. You know, you, don't, you can't eat too much. And when I was out there, food became um, fuel. And I and I, I learned that I needed I needed X amount to live, you know, to sustain myself. And it wasn't like I was eating because I was bored. I was literally eating to survive. And that was the first time in my life I've ever had that mentality. Unfortunately, I've lost that again, you know, because yeah. again, I, I live in comfortable California, and so it's, it's just not something I think about. But um, I love that. I, I I've never I I haven't had that experience since. I know athletes have that sure. have that attitude. But I got to, I was sustained. Yeah, you know, by food. It's funny. My my mind takes me to, uh, uh, what was that uh, Tom Hanks movie where he did where he was lost on an island, on a castaway, castaway, and after he'd been rescued, he was sitting there on the plane with a lighter, just flick, flick. <laughs> just how easy it is to make fire. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. exactly. You must have had a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just like, um, I remember refrigerators. Like, that was just right. like, oh, my God. <laughs> a refrigerator. Yeah, ice. I think that was something so, that water. was. Water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> water that I didn't have to pump, you, you know. To, right, right. Or, you know, or, or whatever. And so, yeah, that was that was a really strange or sleeping on a bed, you know. Um, oh, right. Just did, the basics of just laying on the ground, eh? Yeah. It did kind of, it did change my, um, I, I, I'm going to mess up the words, circadian rhythm. Mm. It did, it did change that for me. I now rise with the sun. Do you? I never did growing up. Um, you know, it's always kind of not a morning person. And now mm. if, if there's a hint that it's going to be sunrise soon, if it, the, I just, I wake up. Really? Yeah, and so that kind of changed in my body, and I—that's a great thing. It is, yeah. So I wake up uh, early now. I I have a a job that's based in D.C. I I work remotely, but since I work those East Coast hours, you know, I'm up at six, and it's not a terrible deal, you know. And I I kind of think of the trail, you know. I I wake up with the sun, and when we were when we were out there, we woke up with the sun. We didn't set alarms, hiked all day. Stopped hiking when it started getting dark, made camp, went to bed at eight o'clock. You know that keeps you right on this circadian rhythm. Exactly. You know, for so sure. I thought that was really healthy too. Yeah. So it just stuck with you. It did. You know, I think it just uh, implanted you know something something deep within me. 
so that was like that was one thing that I that I kept yeah. that I kept from that experience. Well, that's interesting because you know when you're outside, you're outside. You got to be up when the sun comes up. Yeah, you know. But now you're not. No. You know, now you can work remotely. You can get on your computer in your underwear whenever you want. Exactly. You, know, you have no reason to, but you're still on that stuck in that circuit. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's great. I think there's something healthy about that yeah, too. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I really do appreciate that. Um, so I think there was a few things that a few things that I wished I had kind of stuck with the the PCT. Um, you know, just life becomes kind of comfortable as you you know. But uh, yeah, I I have dozens of stories i've met a lot of great people and people i still keep in touch with you know people that you know we went through something unique and uh i still keep in touch with some of the trail angels that i met along the way Do you really yeah there's there's, <laughs> there's one woman um who's a dear friend who who accidentally was our trail angel three times she was in her rv and uh she would follow our instagram and she would just be like i'm in your town do you want me to go buy you guys some dinner I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we hungry. Yeah, and so she was. Uh, she she's she's very dear to me, and so she she helped me out, and I, you know, I still have friends on Facebook from from those times. Yeah. Or you know, if I go to Seattle, like I meet up with my old crew. So uh, oh, that's cool. kind of cool to have friends from all over the country and, and the world too. I met Canadians, Israelis. Uh, there's a lot of Israelis who, after their service in the military, they they go do that. So, um, you know, they would tell us the hike that you did. You mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Because they get, you know, they, they, they're sitting on a lot of money after they do their Ah, their service. And so they want to do some adventure. And, um, so they would tell me these stories of their time in in their version of like black ops, like some pretty deep, dark stories. And then, and then they'd be like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, (laughs) the next day's hike, you know? So it was, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Still real. Yeah. I got a little whiplash there. (laughs) Right. Just every day talk to them. Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, I really, I really like that. I'm a jerk, you know, a lot of Germans out there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still it's still a place of uh, you know uh, you kind of ha- you know I had savings, so you, it's still like a place of folks who kind of come from um, a little more comfortable backgrounds, and so I think it could use more uh, more diversity. Um, uh, the women that I hiked with, you know, they they told me that they wouldn't have done it alone, you know, because they didn't really feel safe out there, and so I think there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done in, in the trail community, but. Um, we we built ourselves a, a really a family out there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, neat. You gonna do any more? Or are you gonna do? Gonna I don't do know. The, uh, Smoky Mountain. What's it called? The, yeah, the uh, Appalachian Trail. Appalachian Trail. Yeah, there's three major trails in the United States. Was oh, there a third one? Yeah, they call they call it the Triple Crown. If you get all three, uh, so if you do the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail, oh, and that goes from New Mexico up to Montana, and wow. it ends in Glacier National Park. That one's very remote and very tough. Um, I don't know. I spent, spent a good deal of money. Um, I've, I've gotten my savings back up, but you know, it's, I think that's, I think that's maybe a later in life decision. How's your body doing? That was, was, that's, you know, that was a long arduous beat up on your, on your body. Yeah. Anything, uh, yeah, I got I got a foot, you know I got a, a foot injury. Out okay. Of it. Yeah, I got this thing called a Morton's neuroma. It's a pinch nerve in my in my in my foot. Yeah. I had some deep bruising that didn't heal for two years mm. on my lower back because of the back because where the pack laid on my back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. So I had some pretty deep bruising uh, that didn't go away. I was pretty emaciated, like I said. 
uh, I've gained, I've gained the weight back and some, uh, but, um, I think it was, it was, there was definitely a, a, a bit of a toll on, on my body and it yeah. took, and it took me a few months to get back to normal. Yeah. Um, my parents were pretty concerned, I think when they saw me, uh, yeah. And I, and I, and it was like, I couldn't eat enough food. It wasn't like I was, I was dieting or skimping mm-hmm. on my food. Um, you know, I, I knew people who would, uh, you know, smoke pot just to get, the desire to eat more food. Mm. Um, and so it was just, you know, you're, you're exercising for 12 hours a day. You're going up these mountains, you know, hiking, we were hiking three miles an hour, you know, so it wasn't like we were going slow. So we were really cruising and, um, you know, we were just, it was just weight was falling off of us when we were up in the mountains in the Sierras, you know, you're at higher elevation and we were losing a pound a day. Mm. It was just falling off, and we couldn't. And keep you got it no on. fat at that point, so mm. you're just burning muscle. Off. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, things like my arms, like my forearms, were getting kind of bony. Really? Was, yeah, it yeah. Was, it was strange, you know, to see out parts of my body where I didn't think that there was fat, and it probably wasn't fat. It was probably muscle was, was <laughs> yeah, yeah. deteriorating exactly, right at that huh? point. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a toll. I think if I did it differently, I would do more, more protein. I don't think I was getting enough protein. Mm. Um, uh, but I think there was, you know, I probably could have consulted with a dietitian before I went out there. Cause I don't think I was eating entirely, um, the right things. It was a lot of protein bars. Um, you know, uh, we, tr- but later on in the hike, I, I, I substituted some of the dinners for like lentils, something a little more high pro- mm. protein. Mm. Cause I just wasn't getting enough. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to remember something that I saw. I don't know if it was a Joe Rogan thing or if it was a hunting thing or whatever it was, but there was a company out there that would basically take your blood sample mm-hmm. and they would make, I don't know if it was uh, protein bars basically mm-hmm. to, to fit your needs. Yeah. You know, and they would mix it up to match you. It's like, that's kind of what you needed almost. I could have used that entirely. For that long of a, oh, yeah. you know, it's one thing for, you know, be out in for a month, but you know, you're really kind of pushing your, your health. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And I was eating every hour too. It wasn't like I was, yeah. Like I said, it wasn't like I was skimping and the issue was it's kind of a double edged sword, right? So we we had to carry all that food. So it's like, it's like all that stuff that I do. Yeah, exactly. All the stuff that I needed to sustain myself, it was also added weight. (laughs) So it was kind of balancing itself, uh, you know, itself out. Did Uh, you do any foraging? Uh, yeah, we did. We did really? for berries, a lot of berries. Oh, okay. Um, you know, in in Northern California, uh, we are near this very small town called Syed Valley. It's an interesting part of California. They call themselves the state of Jefferson up there. You know, they are kind of separatists. Um, <laughs> it's separatists. That's a word I haven't heard. Yeah, I know. Uh, so they, uh, but I was foraging for uh, raspberries in a bush, and I heard a rustle at the other end of the bush. And I was kind of confused, and then I just I continued to eat the raspberries, and then another rustle, and a black bear ran out, and he ran up the hill. Oh. I was like, "Oh, I'm sharing a bush with the with the black standing bear." Standing right there, exactly. Yeah, and then in, when we were in in, uh, in Washington State, I always knew our elevation when I started seeing huckleberries pop up along the trail, and so we would, you know, I always knew, "Oh, we're at eight thousand feet. I can start, you know, there. Here's the berries, and we would gather." you know, hatfuls. And wow. um, sometimes we would just bring them into town and you know, whatever our trail angel was, we would make a huckleberry pie for them, you How know, based cool. off of the, you know, the huckleberries we <laughs> sure, foraged out right. in the wood. 
Uh, what a treat for them, too. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we did a little bit of foraging. I got really good at the stars and telling planets and... Um, you know, it kind of felt like uh, like the old days, you know, and I, I felt like I was um, like an ancient, you know, just always on my feet, oh, for foraging sure. a little bit, um, you know, looking at the stars, waking up with the sun. You know, I, I uh, you know, I've done the Chicago to Mackinac sailboat race many, many times. And there's, you know, I try to explain to people as you're sailing out of Chicago, you know, as you stay, sail away from that light pollution mm-hmm. and it, you get out into the middle of Lake Michigan and look up. And it's something that I don't think people have really seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you did up there on the north side, up, up up in the mountains. Yeah. Where the you you can't even fathom how many stars you're looking at. It's almost a a paste of white, you know. It really is, yeah. In the you know, the Milky Way and it's it's so clear from the with with zero light pollution, yeah, you probably saw that. You're probably sleeping under that every night. Absolutely. I mean, you know, wow. I don't. I don't have to tell you. You know, growing up um, in Chicago, uh, I didn't get a lot of stars growing up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's too much light. <laughs> exactly. And I remember the first time I saw the Milky Way. It wasn't on the on the trail. I think I was on on vacation in the Boundary mm. Waters up in Minnesota uh, on a canoe trip, and uh, I thought it was clouds in the sky. Right. It was, it was the Milky Way. It's so bright. I know, so bright. And um, yeah, that was really special. And so, yeah, we saw some really good stars. I got to be honest with you. A lot of the times I fell asleep before the stars came out. Oh, we were, right, like, we were so right. tired. Oh, man, if you're humping three miles an hour. Yeah. And uh, we were, you know, for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Sometimes we, we did uh, 34 miles in one day. Uh, at certain parts, our average was 30 miles a day. When we were up in the mountains in the Sierras, uh, we could only do about 15 yeah, miles. not so much. But. No, because we were at, you know, 12,000 feet or more. We climbed Mount Whitney, uh, the tallest. Because you're going up, you're not going fast? Or yeah, just, just because you don't have any oxygen? We don't have any oxygen. Yeah. And also, yeah, the incline was a little tough. And mm. so I was in the best shape of my life, but I remember just being completely winded mm. all the time. And All uh, the time. <laughs> yeah. And for, for a while, I was just, I was kind of an ass. And I was, I was a little cranky. Sure. And um, the Sierras end as you're kind of descending into Lake Tahoe Basin. Mm. And I remember like descending into Lake Tahoe and the elevations going lower and lower. And I just felt my mood brightening up. And then really? I, I started having these ideas again. And I started thinking more uh, more clearly. And I was just like, what's going on? It's oxygen. That's oh, what's yeah, going on. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, your whole mood changed. It did. I was just like, I was in a better person. mood. Yeah, I was in a better. Yeah, I was a better. I was, and my friend was like, "Yeah, you were a real dick for for for, for, for so long." And and I'm just you gotta like, get oh, you back to sea level. Exactly. Man. I'm really sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's what he said. I was just such a jerk. And so, and anyone who knows me, I'm just not that kind of person. Sure. You know? And so it's right. just. Um, I think it was just oxygen. Just ornery for no reason. Yeah, I was. It was just so just cranky. Yeah. Cranky, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we were obviously working hard and, uh, you know, sleeping in um, a snowbank, mm. that's not very fun. You know, nope. you're cold and you're wet and everything. And I just, you know, the feeling you, do, you can't get your fingertips warm enough. And um, Californians will never know this. <laughs> exactly. I just, I was just so upset all the time. And, uh, I'm in paradise, you know, it's just like, it's the most beautiful oh, exactly. place in the world, right. but I'm just still like, I wish, Brr. yeah, I wish I had a burger right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wish for something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And we, and we looked the, we looked the part too. I, we were in some place in Oregon, um, uh, some, some kind of, uh, 
lake resort town that we were walking through and we had dropped off our gear and we went inside to like get some ice cream or something like that and when we came back out someone had left a a hundred dollar bill on our gear and they said looks like you guys need this <laughs> so you and know, you did and we did right. yeah yeah so we, we were able to use that for for more meals you know yeah when, well, yeah you were saying that some of the guys had to drop out because they were they were running low on money so you had a little bit of money saved yeah you weren't yeah. you weren't broke or anything no it up to no i mean i was by the time i finished i had run through my savings yeah but, okay um you know a lot you know people quit for different reasons um uh, some people get injured. I, I knew a woman who uh, she was walking over a log and she thought the log was was solid. And when she stepped on it, it gave way. It it, it, was, it rotted and she had she snapped her ankle. Mm. Um, you know, I I knew uh, people who had relationships back home and the relationship wasn't working. You know, long distance and they I didn't had think about that. Yeah, and they All had right. and they had to go home. Some people ran out of money and some people. Uh, figured out it just wasn't for them. Um, you know, there were a lot of people at the beginning of the trail, uh, people who really, they liked the party, you know, they like to, you know, I don't knock that. I, I love Camaraderie, a drink. Yeah, 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 exactly. That, I love a drink as well, sure, but right. it's just like, they got burnt out, you know, oh, pretty quickly trying right. to do that thing. And so you can't but, party and do that at the same time. No, no, no. really. I mean, I, I didn't have, I didn't have coffee for five months. You did not? No. Why? Because we just, we, it was, yeah, we just didn't have it. It was just more stuff to carry. Right, right. Um, so I didn't have coffee for five months and I didn't, and I was, and we, we had some, you know, beer here or there, but my tolerance was so low, like a beer could get me drunk there. And so it was just, it, it it wasn't my, uh, it just wasn't what my body could handle. Right. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'll do that later. Exactly. One thing at a time. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to, I, and when we got to Canada at that provincial park that we ended up in, they had a bar and we were all going to like have a, you know, a big party at the sure. end and blast. And I think like all of us had like two or three beers and we like, <laughs> we we're like, all right, I want to go to bed now. <laughs> this big party that you've been looking forward to. Yeah. was, uh, was kind yeah. of a blowout. We just right. wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> exactly. Should have known that. Yeah, we just wanted a meal and just like go back home. Right. But uh, yeah, it was great. And then all of our parents kind of helped out. My parents uh, drove an RV from Chicago to Crater Lake mm. in Oregon, and uh, they were so excited. They got to be trail angels, and so they asked. Right on. Yeah, they were How like, cool. what, "What do you guys want to? What do you guys want to drink?" And I'm like, "Just buy Budweiser Heavy and Coca Cola, and uh, have a bunch of snacks." And that's exactly what potato chips. That's all. That's all. I need, that's, all that's all anyone needed. You know, <laughs> we're not fancy people, and nope. so yeah, they got to come out there and do a little hiking with us. And yeah. my buddy Alex, the guy I'd hiked the trail with, um, his parents came and uh, gave us the same treatment in California as well. And so yeah, we were supported the oh, whole way. Cool, right, yeah. right. He made it all the way with you. Yeah, he did. Actually, he, wow. he actually fell in love too. Really? Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the women that we were hiking with. Um, he, uh, they, we met her early in the trail and she just kind of stuck with us. She kind of liked us and, um, around Northern California, they started, <laughs> they started, uh, spending a little more time together yeah, than they yeah, were right with on. the rest of the group. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, they're still, they're still That's together. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. they got a cool story to tell. They do. Right? They do. Five years on. I told them that I get, I get the book rights on this yeah, one. Right, I, right. I get to write exactly. their story. I yeah. get to write it. Oh man. So what are you, what are you doing now? What do you, 
Yeah. So, you know, we are, we're out in Monterey. So, I, like I said, we lived in D.C. for 10 years. Uh, or I lived in D.C. for 10 years. Um, you know, it was really my, my home there. And uh, I met a woman, fell in love with her, uh, Emily. And, um, you know, she is she saves oceans for a living. She works for nonprofits and and tries to negotiate with other countries to save large swaths of oceans. And she was doing that work and we had met each other at, um, at, at our, the same company. We both work for the Pew Charitable Trusts, which is a, a nonprofit in DC. I'm a journalist, um, part of them, but she was part of the ocean program. At any rate though, she wanted to get a graduate degree and so we came out to Monterey so she could go to Middlebury Mm. Uh, Institute of International Studies. And uh, so we, we spent two years here for her graduate degree. And uh, she just graduated in May and she got a job in La Jolla. So we're moving down to San Diego. Uh, La Jolla's in San Diego. Yeah, just okay. north of San Diego. And um, and so, yeah, we found we found a nice place down there and going to start our next our next adventures. You know, right. I think. I think we we wanted to spend a little more time in California. She got a really nice job. Uh, like I said, you know, she's going all over the world from the Maldives to Fiji. Um, in her previous career, her previous job, she went to the Galapagos Islands in New Zealand. And so, you know, I really admire her dedication to that, to saving the ocean. Mm. Um, she is a, uh, a master diver, a scuba diver, and she has a thousand but dives under her belt. And she had me get certified. So I'm, I'm a scuba diver now. <laughs> right. Again, you know, being <laughs> not from, on her level, but yeah, I, not got, on I her go level. underwater. <laughs> no, and, and again, being from the Midwest, I never thought I would be in a scuba diver. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of that's been an important part of our life uh, together. And so, yeah, well, it's, it's been it's been it's been a nice little jaunt here in, in Monterey. I love uh, Big Sur, um, the the rocks and the sea lions and the sea otters. I think it's a really, it was a special time. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's on to the next adventure. Yeah, for sure. Um, a few months back, I had a uh, had a guy. He's an angel investor from Boston, mm-hmm. and he only does um, green ocean technology. Mm-hmm. He'll only invest in ocean green ocean technology. What an interesting. What a wide open field! Absolutely, holy cow! You can. Go, I mean, there's so many different directions. You know, we had conversations about um, if you had if you had a sh- a, a sea going ship that was run by electrical, kind of like a Tesla is, mm-hmm. you could literally pull up to a city if the power went out, and you could light the city up. You know, there's just yeah. different different things. You know, aside from how much you're going to save the ocean. And, yeah. You know, and then there's trash collecting and there's save the ocean this way or, you know, um, ocean fishing. I know his wife was uh, an attorney that mm-hmm. that dealt with ocean things, you know, like how how far is your fishing rights from land? If it's 20 miles mm-hmm. and the water raises 10 feet, then where exactly is your line? You know, there's a lot of goofy little different things that, yeah. you know. That's Emily's world. Yeah, that's that, that's, yeah, her, yeah. that's that's her whole world. She talks about those the fishing rights and stuff. But you know, it's interesting. You mentioned about the possibility. You know, she she often talks about the blue economy. You know, what the 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 ocean. What what sort of new, great, more sustainable ways that we could you know have a good economy, but one that takes into account the protection of the ocean. And I think it's to everyone's benefit, it's to right. the fishers, 
benefit so that there's more so that there's actually fish for them to to catch in the years to come and uh it's good for communities you know for for tourism mm -hmm. um you know it's just i think it's in everyone's interest not to pollute the ocean and to try to keep it going because you know it's just integral into uh our ecosystem our environment right. and um you know nature as well you know the ocean the ocean's worth protecting and um you know i you're a you're a man who loves to spend time on the water and, and boats and i think you appreciate that as well and so obviously the ocean is so critical to life here in monterey and so it's been something that i hadn't thought about much growing up but something i'm totally bought in on mm -hmm. yeah we all should do a better better part you know yeah. use less plastic use less plastic and, yeah. yeah right exactly yeah it's uh we've overfished the heck out of the oceans and we don't think we really had to Mm -hmm. we've really destroyed a lot of stuff that we maybe didn't have to. Exactly. Now we're looking back going, uh, whoops. Yeah, exactly. Now it's going to take people like your wife to fix all the things that we've done in the past, you know, and, but, uh, that's a touchy situation. It really is. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I'm sure that, you know, you're in contact with too. It's like you, we're polluting the oceans too fast. We're, we're using fossil fuels. We have to stop doing that, but we can't, we can't. I know. It's such a give and take. I don't. It, I know. And I, I don't have the solution. And there is none, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like European countries are saying, "Okay, well, we're not just not going to use power anymore. We're just using too much power to do our farming." Well, then you just killed like a half a million people in the other third world countries. It's like you have to. We have to slowly take this on. I know mm. we've really screwed up the oceans and that, but let's not rush this too fast. No. You know? Yeah, I it's totally agree. A slow too. transition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think she would want to like you know snap her fingers and 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 wish that everything sure. would be good. But it's it's a slow it's slow progress. Right. Right. And um, you know, she also has to be careful too because she's an American and we can't go around telling people other in other countries sure. what to do. Right. And so I think there's there's kind of a, a balance there that she that she deals with in in, in her in her career. Um, but I, I think if more people spend some time on the water like you do, or we just got back from Mexico, we did this like citizen science trip and we were uh, swimming with whale sharks, these, you know, 30 sure, foot behemoths right. oh, beautiful. and documenting them for conservation and just being in the water with them, uh, being six feet away from them, I was just overwhelmed. And, um, man, I just, I got kind of emotional just, sure. just being around them. And I was like, oh man, I want them to live. I want yeah. them to to be able to to continue on exactly right yeah it's it's amazing being out on a sailboat and a humpback comes right up to you you know there's was, nothing like it i was saying i was coming out of moss landing and uh it was dark out and i was a little too close to the shore and there was a whale that came between the shore and me and almost ch it changed directions to come over to me to swim between my boat and the water and it's like what was that all about mm -hmm. did she mean to do that was she smart enough to go, hey, dummy, you're going the wrong way? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But she changed directions to come over to be on this side of me. Came right across, right in front of me. I think you know, curious Reached too. right yeah. in front of me. I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm changing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. That, I, was, that was amazing. It was really cool. And that's a special experience. I'm sure you'll always remember that Always. Too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'll always wonder, you know, was she like think, looking out for me? She saw like a sand... Yeah, bar coming at me or something. Exactly. Know? So yeah. you never know. Yeah, I love I love the ocean. I, you know, I grew up on Lake Michigan, mm -hmm. so this ocean thing is all new to me. Mm -hmm. You know, everything. 
It's like, I'm afraid to go fishing. I don't know what the hell I'm going to bring up. Exactly, yeah. It might be six feet long. I wouldn't know what to do with it. It was funny. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I told, you know, I brought brought uh, my partner. Um, <laughs> I brought her to Chicago, just, you know, show the hometown. And and uh, I think it was surprising for her, uh, being someone from Seattle, growing up in the Pacific Ocean, to see a great lake and uh, not being able to see the other side of the lake. And I think that was so new and so interesting to her. And I was telling, you know, but, uh, but, but our, but our experience growing up on Lake Michigan is just completely different than growing up in the ocean and, or near the ocean. And um, it's been great. I love, I love this new experience. And I think that that's kind of a, a general theme for me. I just, I, I want the new experiences. I want to, I want to try to learn something new and talk to different people and, try to have a different hobby, scuba dive or yeah. hike across the country. And I just think it's been, I don't know, I'm, I'm all for the adventure and, and for the new experience as mm. well. I went up to, I remember in my 20s, maybe I was, yeah, the young 30s, maybe your age, we ended up going up into Munising Bay up, or up in the up, upper peninsula of Michigan and going scuba diving on some of these old wooden haul ships that are laying on the bottom because it gets so cold up there, they don't rot away. So you can actually go down and see a three-masted, wooden ships sitting on the bottom you know they've cut the masset off and turn it turned it back into a like a turn it into a steamship or a coal burning ship probably to haul you know iron ore for the but still you can see the beauty of this massive wooden ship laying there it's like what you know you see the three holes in the yeah. deck where the masts used to be it's like trying to picture this this monstrosity of beauty you know i love that that's cool one of, one of my biggest regrets my buddy one of my best friends bill um He's from the Detroit area, from mm. Port Huron, uh, north of Detroit. And his dad was a captain on one of those uh, freighters on the Great Lakes, you know, an iron ore freighter. And uh, I always, he's retired now, you know, Captain Joe. Uh, but we, I always wanted to go on a ship. And I think that would have been so good, so cool to like, you know, because he does all the ports, you know. Sure. To Detroit, up, up the up uh, Lake Huron and, you know, up to Superior. And I just think uh, what a cool life that was for him. And. Um, but we did have a rule. I lived with Bill. Uh, he was my, my first roommate and, uh, we just couldn't listen to the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, that old song, because <laughs> it was too, it was too sensitive for him. You know, I thought about his dad, uh, even though it's a great song. Sure. Um, but, Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon Lightfoot. I mean, yeah, so that's, a, that's a, it's a classic song, <laughs> but I love the Great Lakes and I think they're so, so special. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, they're, I saw some bumper sticker that said, um, Salt free and shark free. <laughs> right, right. I appreciate that. The unsalted coast. The unsalted I've seen coast. A couple of those too. I like that too. When I first moved to California, I had a guy arguing with me. Those are salt water. I was like, yeah, no, they're mm -hmm. not. I've been sailing. No, they are salt water. It's like, well, you know, I don't know if you how far above sea level we are. We have to go down the Niagara Falls. You ever heard of that? Yeah, exactly. And then it goes down all the way through New York and dumps into the ocean we're not even close to sea level no, <laughs> bit like, of a hike from sea oh, yeah, yeah from right that's true <laughs> yeah gotta teach the guy about glaciers <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right right it dragged all that all that in exactly man what a great time i had today oh, it was wonderful being so here cool you came in yeah absolutely kind of late and uh, i know you're you're heading heading out tomorrow and you're moving along so i wanted to get you before you took off so i'm so glad you yeah my had pleasure i came in oh, you're great to talk to you yeah, i appreciate it awesome thanks okay well uh have a great move and uh, if you're ever up in this area, man, I'd like to do a part two. You got it. See how it's going. Yeah. Great right talking on, to you. Brother. All right.